Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Stand to your feet real quick. This is New Heights Church where you can get in some good exercise, if nothing else. Up, down, up, down. So I'll lift one hand. Say, I receive, I receive everything, everything that God has for me, God has for me. in Jesus' name. Jesus. Now give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. Come on, I said two people, not 22 people. It's a friendly church. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter number six. We're going to start at verse number nine. Talking about our 2020 vision. Everybody say 2020. We're going with extreme focus into 2020. We're going to see God's hand move at a level that maybe you've never seen move in your life or in your family. We're going to see it in 2020. And what we're doing is we're getting ready for next week which is called Sacred Sunday Around New Heights, where we give towards growth. And we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, but it's one of those things where each one of us were praying about what role God would have us play in that part. But if you, if you don't understand kingdom, you can't understand anything I'm saying. Everybody say kingdom. The Bible says that you can't even see the kingdom until you're born again. And once you're born again, now you have the opportunity to see the kingdom. Some people do, some people do not. And when I say see the kingdom, I'm not talking physically. Matter of fact, Jesus was pressed all the time. When is the kingdom coming? Where is the kingdom? How's it gonna get here? And he constantly said, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is is the unseen realm, But in reality, we can get the unseen realm working in the seen realm. And that is what the kingdom does for believers. Many uh, entities and many processes have taught an escapism theology. An escapism theology would be the concept that I just get saved, I'm just a sinner, and I just need to hold on until Jesus comes back or I go to heaven. And there is some accuracy in the fact that you're going to go to heaven if Jesus doesn't come back before you die, a natural death, and Jesus is going to come back one day and ransom us. Come on, somebody. However, his plan was never for you to go to heaven. It always gets quiet when I say that. His plan was never for you to go to heaven. Now, heaven is for you. Matter of fact, he went and prepared it for you. However, the plan of God was for mankind to have dominion right here on planet earth. So God rules in the unseen realm. And he wanted mankind... The Bible says he made man in his likeness and in his image. When he says man, he's actually talking about mankind. Kind of like if you're in Africa and you're driving around on a safari and somebody says, there's a lion. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a male lion or a female lion. It just means there's a lion. 
So when he says he made man in his likeness and image, he made humanity in his likeness and image. So you look a lot like God. God looks a lot like you. You are his expressed image in the seen world. And the Bible says that he took mankind and he placed mankind in a garden. And he said, now what I want you to do is I want you to take care of the garden. Tell the animals their names and, 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 and make sure everything's good to go. Then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he reached inside a man, caused a deep sleep to come over him, reached inside of him opened up his side and he pulled out a rib and he made uh, Eve. And Adam turned around and looked and he said, whoa, man. And she goes, well, I guess I'm woman. Whoa, man. So the, the, the will of God was for Adam, the son of God, formed from the dust of the earth to rule and reign on planet earth, to have a wife, to, to uh, uh, take dominion over the earth and to manage what God put under his care, custody, and control. Then all of a sudden, sin snuck in and Adam and Eve sinned. Now, don't hold it against Adam and Eve. If they hadn't done it, you would have. They sin, and the Bible says that whenever they sin, that, that uh, they could no longer be in the presence of God. The reason they couldn't be in the presence of God is because if something is dirty, like has sinned, touches something that is clean, it does not make the dirty thing clean. It makes the clean thing dirty. God can't be marred by sin. God is perfect in every way. So in a move of grace, a chess move, see in checkers, everything's pretty straightforward. You jump me or I jump you. But in chess... People are making moves, sometimes four, five, six moves to set up the next move or the ultimate move. So God makes a chess move of grace and he expels mankind from the Garden of Eden. He said, well, that doesn't sound like grace. Sure it is. Because if, if, if man had, he had already eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So now the Bible says he had sinned because God had told him not to. Now all of a sudden he could not come in contact with God or he would die. But the other problem was if he ate of the tree of, of life in that condition, he would have entered into eternity, never being able to come in contact with his father again. So God said, you can't be near this tree, my God. I can't trust you not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Next thing you'll do is you'll eat the tree of life. And if you eat the tree of life like this, for eternity, we're going to be separated. But God didn't ever want to be separated from his children. So he expelled his children from, from the Garden of Eden, only to institute the greatest rescue mission that ever existed on planet Earth. Instead of, of God trying to get creation to come and do something to try to rescue itself, the creator himself stepped into a flesh suit, lived a sinless life for 33 years, and willingly gave up his life for you and for me. Now, what was beautiful is the Bible says that whenever Adam and Eve sinned, God was walking through the garden, and, and Adam, he heard God coming. And the Bible says that, that God said, Adam, where are you? Now, it wasn't like God doesn't know where Adam is. Matter of fact, God's never asked you a question he didn't know the answer to. What he wants to know is, will you be honest? Because an honest answer he can use, even if it's not a good answer, he can work with an honest answer. But the minute you start to withhold things from God or you try to cover them up, they are now on your shoulders. 
So what happens is, is, is God says, Adam, where are you? But he wasn't meaning ge- geographically like hide and seek. Where are you? He meant like on the, uh, think about it like this, like, like in a company, there's a, there's a corporate structure and it goes from the CEO down to the presidents or the vice presidents. And then it begins to go down to the manager and it goes all the way down to the lowest person on the totem pole. So you can ask somebody, where are you in the corporate structure of this company? So God was like this, Adam, I placed you here, the very tip top earth is listening to whatever you have to say. Now I'm wondering, since I put you here, where are you now? So what happens is, is Jesus came to restore the original intention and plan of God, which was to put Adam or to put humanity back at the place where humanity belongs, where the the Bible says that you and me actually have dominion over the earth. Now, all of a sudden, we're not just bouncing through life without it, without responsibilities. We actually have responsibilities in this thing. And now all of a sudden, the problems on this planet are our problem. And not just something we're trying to escape. Not just something we're trying to get out of here. Because it's honestly, it's not as well known in the body of Christ as probably should be. We're actually coming back even after we go to heaven. We're coming back to earth. And we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. We have a thousand years. It's going to be beautiful. But, but, But the point that I'm trying to drive home is this. The plan of God was for his kingdom. Somebody say kingdom. To be established. Now, the reason this is so important is because in our society, we live in a democracy, or at least we're supposed to. And that's where we vote people in that are supposed to represent us, and then they go and make the laws, and then that's supposed to be a representation of the people, and the people are supposed to make the laws. Does that make sense? In a kingdom, that's not the way. In a kingdom, whatever the king says is the law. So if the king says, you know, I'm going to call basketballs footballs, then from now on, basketballs are footballs. If the king says Tuesday is now called tamale, I think that's a pretty good idea, to be honest with you. Actually, we'll keep Tuesday, Taco Tuesday, and we'll go tamale Thursday. But that would become the law. It's, 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 it's the way a kingdom functions and works. Now, when you get in this kingdom and you become a citizen of the kingdom of God, now all of a sudden, listen to this. There are many things. There are rights in the kingdom and the enemy and the world is going to constantly ridicule you about your rights in the kingdom. Going to try to convince you that you're not, that you are not worthy of, of walking in the rights that have been afforded to you. But the Bible says you are the, listen to this righteousness of God in Christ. Well, what does righteous mean? It means your rights have been restored. You're not righteous because of what you did. You're righteous because of who you are. You let me rephrase it. You don't have rights because of what you did. You have rights because of who you are. Who in here has kids? Just wave at me. Who's ready for school to start? Just wave at me. I love fall break. You got your fingers crossed when you say it. Your kids can walk into your house. They don't knock. They don't ask you if they can go into the, into the pantry and get some goldfish crackers. They don't ask you if they can have the Pringles. And then they put the Pringles box back into the pantry empty. 
And when you want Pringles, you go open it up and your heart is broken. But the reason they can do that is not because they have behaved well their whole life. It is because they are born in your house or your little kingdom. And in your little kingdom, they have rights. You probably love my kids. But if one of my kids showed up at your house at 10 p.m. and did not knock on the door and just opened the door and tried to walk in and tried to go into your pantry and grab the Pringles and you didn't recognize who they were, you would probably have a problem with that. Now, my kids are just like your kids. They're wonderful. They're kind. They're all the things that you want your kids to be. But there are certain rights afforded in your house that apply to your kids because of whose home or little kingdom they were born in. When you get born again, you are born again into the house or the family or the kingdom of almighty God. And it's not what you did. It is the fact that you are born again into this new kingdom that actually gives you rights. It restores your rights. Now you can boldly go to the throne of God and make your request known unto him. Not because you're without sin, but because you're born into his family, born again into his family. Does this make any sense? So in this kingdom, we have rights. In this kingdom, we have a, a, a culture. There's a lot of confusion about this. What does a Christian do? Let me tell you what, the Christian does, what a Christian does. The Christian does what the Bible says. So that sounds kind of vague. Only if you don't know the Bible. A Christian loves people and points them to Christ. A Christian is long-suffering. A Christian is kind a Christian does not cuss their coworker out twice a week. A Christian does not run around on their spouse. Now, wait a minute. I know plenty of Christians that did. They might've done that, but that's outside of our culture. Nobody's saying anybody's without fault, but in the kingdom, there is a culture that we follow after. And the culture, listen to this, is set by the king. So whatever the king does, that's what our culture is. So if he casts out devils, guess what you're supposed to be doing? Some of y'all are like, man, I was with you till you said that. I don't know. I don't know about casting out devils. Stick around. We're going to get you casting out devils too. In the kingdom of God, listen, uh, um, when, when Jesus, the Bible said, when he went and prayed, that set the culture of our kingdom. We don't pray out of just necessity. We pray because it is our culture to pray. I find it very interesting that Jesus, most of the time, there's a reference to him waking up early in the morning and going and praying by himself. And then after he prayed, prayed and been by himself for several hours, then they would go to the market or the temple or whatever. And people would walk by and say, hey, I have leprosy. Can you heal me? He'd go, you're healed. Bang. And they'd, they'd be healed. And say, hey, I'm blind. Can you heal me? Bang. They, he'd touch him and they'd be healed. And the reality was is it only would take a split second for the miracle to take place, but he had already prayed four hours. See, in the body of Christ right now, we want to pray for people and lay hands on people for four hours with no result. And the reason is, is because we spent a split second in prayer and then we want everything to happen in four hours. When Jesus says, if you'll spend time praying, then all of a sudden the power will actually get on your life because the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the, of, of the world. 
It's not about everything you can do with the sweat on your brow and, and, and how hard you can try. No, a lot of times it's just whose you are being reminded who you are being, being, uh, refreshed and rejuvenated because the Bible says, be it unto you according to your faith. And when you pray and you spend time with God, your faith begins to grow. And when your faith grows, now all of a sudden it only takes, the Bible says, just a mustard seed of faith to move an entire mountain. So everything changes when you get in the kingdom, but you can't understand anything I'm saying if you don't understand kingdom. The, the next thing we have, uh, uh, not only do we have uh, a culture, we also have some benefits. Somebody say benefits. There's benefits to living in this kingdom. Come on, there's benefits to living in, in the United States of America. We had some friends of ours come up from South America uh, a few weeks ago. And, and, and man, they, they really, they, they had a great time. But one of the things that, that interests them is how America has something called the second amendment. The second amendment is the right to keep and bear arms. Generally speaking, it's referencing firearms. That is a right and a benefit to living in the United States of America. And many countries, you don't have that. Many countries, and I'm just looking around, I can tell because this is Texas, many, many places, your gun cabinet would put you in prison in other countries. But right here, we have some benefits. Another great benefit uh, is, is uh, the road system and the, the highway system in the United States of America. We have the interstate system that you can drive from state to state. You can drive north, south, and, and literally you can get on roads and never other than traffic, never even have to slow down sometimes across the entire country without a single stoplight. That's a benefit. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go to a third world country. Pastor Matt tells me about going, I believe it was to Ethiopia. And he was telling me, man, it took like four and a half hours to get there. I was like, well, how far was it? He was like, I don't know, 30 miles. Because there's a big difference when you have some benefits. So I just want to review uh, real quickly just a handful of the benefits and some of our culture. In our culture, we understand the most powerful thing that we can have is a seed. Because in a seed... There is power that cannot be measured. When God chose to save the world, he sent the seed of heaven. And the seed of heaven was placed in the ground. And three days later, it broke out of the ground. And the harvest of heaven's seed is still perpetuating today. Most people pray for an apple orchard and God delivers. The difference is he shows up in the form of a seed because you can take an apple, cut it open and count how many seeds are in the apple, but you cannot count how many apples are in a seed. The most powerful thing in your life is a seed. So as a kingdom, We understand that. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 8 that seed time and harvest won't cease as long as the earth remains. So for us, we understand we sow and that starts the cycle of seed, time, and harvest. 
most people that do not sow and do not uh, give into the kingdom of God the way the Bible uh, dictates are people that just don't believe the Bible. Now, it's not that they don't, that's not their, they're not consciously thinking that, but they're looking at it as a subtraction in their life when they sow a seed, when the reality is because the Bible is true, when you sow, you activate a harvest on your life. So when you give into the kingdom of God, you are not depleting your resources. You are increasing your future resources. Well, I would just rather have it, you know, where I just give out of the goodness of my heart. And I just feel like, you know, expecting something would is kind of wrong. Well, let me just tell you this. God never gave anything without expecting a return. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever might believe on him would not die but have everlasting life. He never would have let Jesus die unless there was a return. The Bible says in the parable of the talents, he gave one five, one, one two, and one one. The one that had five doubled it. The one that had two doubled it. And the one that had one buried it in the ground and didn't do anything with it. And the Bible says that the man came back and the one who had five and made it 10. He put him over. He's put him over several cities. The one that had two, he put him over some cities and the one that had one, he said, what'd you do? He said, well, I didn't do anything with it. He said, in other words, I gave you something, but I don't get a return. He says, I'm taking from you and I'm actually giving it to the one who already has 10. God never gave anything and did not expect a return. Now, this is a problem for religious people because religious people want to live off of their feelings. Religious people want to live off the idea that I just give because God loves me and and I love everybody. And it's just whatever. The problem is your feelings change like Texas weather. We can't just live off of how we feel because you might love puppies. Somebody else might love kittens. Weird, I know. You might love baby turtles. In other words, what causes compassion to rise up in you might be very different than the person sitting next to you. So now we have a kingdom that is driving in every direction all at the same time. And when we're driving in every direction all at the same time, we don't go anywhere. That's why God established in his kingdom the concept of tithing and offering into the house of God so that we could all not just give, but we could all give in the same direction so that we can all pull the wagon or push the wagon in one direction. But if you don't understand kingdom, none of this makes sense. If you don't understand kingdom, none of this has any bearing on your life because everything you're thinking about is I-centric. It's about me. It's about only my relationship. It's only about what I can do or what I cannot do. And whenever you put I in it, now all of a sudden you're completely out of kingdom. Kingdom says we are going to do this thing because our king has established it. And in this kingdom, when we do that and we subject or submit ourselves to his plans, now all of a sudden we literally have access to magnificent benefits. Here's a couple more. In this kingdom, you get your children to a thousand generations. 
Well, I don't know. My kids are, are living like heathens right now. Well, I don't want to go back too far, but you probably did too. But in this kingdom, you get your offspring. In, in this kingdom, whenever we join together and we rise up and build, we're sowing into people we've never even met. Because another culture of our kingdom is generosity. Flies in the face of the world. The world doesn't, how can you love somebody you've never met? Because our king does. And when you get born again and you start to find out what the Bible says, it's really hard to describe why you love someone. You just love them. And then you find out about somebody who's struggling with what you used to struggle with. And now, because you remember what it felt like to have everybody pointing fingers at you when you were struggling, you just want to love them and point them to Christ. See, it's a completely different philosophy when you get in this kingdom. And it doesn't change an area of your life. It changes every facet of your life. And when you start to change your thinking... It's the beginning of freedom. And if you keep thinking about escaping planet earth, you'll miss out on the kingdom that's here. I feel like something is just deposited even in the room right now. When you stop thinking about leaving, oh, it's going to be beautiful. I got a lot of loved ones there. I'm looking forward to it. But when you stop focusing on being gone and you start focusing on being effective while you're here, now it's not somebody else's problem, it's your problem. Oh, well, you don't understand. I just, I'm so sick of the secular world. I have to go to the workplace and everybody on my workplace is a heathen and they talk about you and they backbite and my boss is a jerk. And, you know, let me just tell you something. Another culture in our kingdom is work. And work existed before the first worship service was referenced. In other words, you get paid to be on the mission field. Because your job site is the ultimate mission field. Well, I'm not allowed to talk about God on the job site. Respectfully, you've never done anything else anybody else told you to do. They won't let us talk about God in school. What are they going to do? Sew our lips shut? See, in this kingdom, everything becomes different. And everything become, everything begins to have a purpose. That's why next week at Sacred Sunday and this Tuesday for our kingdom builders is so imperative. Because we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for people we've never even met. How crazy is that? Most of the time, whenever you begin to break out in your finances and the world will tell you, okay, well, now you've done this, go buy two or three houses, wherever you want a house. And that's fine. It's beautiful. If you have it to do it, I strongly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. But what I'll say is this. When you start to give into the kingdom 
for people you've never even met. This is what God is like. Before you said yes, he gave us Jesus. Before we could even spell his name, he had made the way for us. Before they even know that God loves them, we're going to have a chair for them. Before they even know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we're going to have a beautiful, clean restroom that they're going to walk in and go, man, this is beautiful. Some of you were at our very first building that we rented, and you know how important that is. We had a bathroom that smelled like seven rhinoceroses died in it every day. I don't know why. Matthew chapter 6. Verse number nine. When Jesus was asked how to pray, this is what he said. Pray like this. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means holy, separate, sanctified. Then he said this. This is Jesus talking. When he was asked, how do we pray? He said, thy Kingdom come. Thy will be done. As soon as we go to heaven. Thy will be done as soon as we get out of here. Thy will be done as soon as we get to that sweet by and by with gold streets and a beautiful pearl gate. He said, thy will be done Right here, right now, just like it is in heaven. When Jesus taught his disciples how, this is, this is secret time with them. This is, this is Jesus, tell me what's really hard. I was riding around with my son the other day. We were going, we were doing a lot of chores and stuff. And he, he looks at me, he says, daddy, and he's 10. He says, daddy, tell me more about the Tell me more about the kingdom. I said, oh, son, the kingdom is beautiful. I said, the kingdom is what we're a part of. And the Bible says this, that you and me, we are kings and priests. This is the kind of talk that makes religious people lose their mind. Because they're taught that I'm just a lowly, nothing old sinner. And one day, just by the very skin of my teeth, because enough of the blood of the lamb hit that too, I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible actually says you were an old, lowly sinner. But now... You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, you used to have no rights because of what you did. But now that you have been born again, your rights have been restored unto you. He said, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Master, Rabbi, Rabboni, teach us how to pray. Yeshua, teach us how to pray. He said, pray that his kingdom would come here on the earth just like it is in heaven. 
the kingdom. Well, what do you mean the kingdom? Pray that his kingdom would come here. Don't go seeking everything. Seek the kingdom and every single thing would be added unto you. He said, pray that his kingdom would come right here, right now, because in our kingdom, we have a king and the king is trying to get people who will enforce what he has already paid for right here on planet earth. God needs no help ruling heaven. But he gave mankind dominion here. So whenever dominion had to be restored, God is spirit. He couldn't come in spirit form and restore the authority, which comes from the word author, which means you have been authorized by the authority of heaven to have your dominion back. But he couldn't come as a spirit to do that. He had to put on a flesh suit and come in the form of man because the Bible says he had given man dominion and God doesn't change. You see, I don't know. I I, I wish I had like six lifetimes to teach this. Because if you can get kingdom, you can have it all. Or, Or what do you mean have it all? I'm talking about everything. But if you can't get kingdom, you'll just be piecing things together the rest of your life. But when you start realizing what he reestablished, remember when Jesus breathed on the disciples said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive is two words. Receive means to like have and re means again. What he actually said is mankind have the Holy Spirit again. Because the minute you have the Holy Spirit, After being washed in the blood, you are reauthorized to have the place of authority on planet earth that was lost in the garden. Do you remember what happened in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? The Bible says they took fig leaves and they tried to cover uh, all of their nakedness. You can't go get a fig leaf without pulling off a limb. In other words, they tried to take their work and cover their sin. Do you remember Jesus whenever he was walking towards Jerusalem to be crucified? He said, I'm hungry. I think I'll have some figs. And he walked up and there was a fig tree with no fruit on it. And he said, I tell you what, fig tree. He said, Adam may have needed you to try to cover something, but I've never sinned. Today is the last day you'll ever breathe. And he cursed it from the root. In other words, Adam took fig leaves, worked to try to cover his sin and was thrown out of the garden. Jesus didn't need fig leaves, cursed the fig tree and said, no longer will a tree have dominion over man. I've come to put the dominion of mankind back over the trees. Then he walked into a garden and the Bible says he started praying until his sweat became blood. And he said, Father, he said, let this cup pass from me. And God looked down at him and said, you know, you got to do it. He said, fine by me because I am in submission to a plan that is higher than any other plan, he stood up and said, nevertheless, thy will be done. When you get kingdom on your life, there's nothing you won't do. When you get kingdom on your life, there's no price you won't pay. He said, oh, I'd never swim in a shark infested, in shark infested water. All we got to do is have one of your kids fall off the boat around those sharks. And you moms would be down there eye gouging the sharks while you're rescuing the kids. If the cause is great enough, you'll do anything. The problem is we're taught the concept of getting out of here. And we're not taught the concept of taking dominion while we're here. 
Our cause is to establish and reestablish what was lost that we have been authorized to do. And when Jesus was specifically asked, teach us how to pray, he said, you need to pray that the kingdom would come. He said, they, he said, then say this, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13, listen to this. And lead us not into temptation. That doesn't mean God's going to lead us into temptation. It's, it's, it's King James speak for saying, lead us away from temptation. Help us get away from it. He said, deliver us from evil. For thine is the. For thine is the. Kingdom. It's like Jesus just needed a. Like a. Like a record player. And every time anybody ever asked him a question. He just hit play. He just go kingdom. Yeah, but Jesus, what about kingdom? What about kingdom? What about Kingdom. Because when you start getting a revelation on the kingdom of God, all of a sudden, it starts to shift. Because now all of a sudden, when you start saying, for thine is the kingdom, it's not your kingdom anymore. Do you know the pressure of everything being on your shoulders drives people into depression? The pressure of trying to figure out how to fix your family that you screwed up. The pressure of trying to put your life back together. I'm not trying to be rude. That you messed up. This is why people medicate with alcohol and drugs and tobacco and all kinds of stuff. Which again, none of, none of those one things will send you to hell. Matter of fact, most of them will send you to heaven quicker. If you're a believer. But what happens is simple. You start getting a revelation of the kingdom. Now all of a sudden, and and again, just take this how it is. I know it's December. We're easing into the end of the year. We're about to start talking about a manger. We're about to start talking about the wise. We're about to start talking about all that. But it's not about you. And the minute you get that revelation, now you can actually submit to the cause of Christ, which will answer every prayer you've ever prayed. Because it's his kingdom. Amen. We're talking about a real king. We're talking about one who rules and reigns. And because of the blood of the lamb, you can boldly walk in his presence. What kind of a good God is this that we serve? But it's not your kingdom. It's his kingdom. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the power. And for thine is the glory. Until next week. Forever. That people don't understand it. Respectfully, that's going to be their problem one day. Because you're not responsible for what you know. You're responsible for what is available to know. And when we go through life haphazard about our focus and just making sure us for and no more and that's all that we ever, ever witnessed to. 
because we don't understand our king and we don't understand his kingdom. Because in his kingdom, he doesn't take those who are capable. He makes able those who are willing. That's why this church is doing what it's doing. That's why we're fixing to build another building. That's why we're going to expand on what front? All fronts. Well, what do you mean all fronts? Look, the church is full. What, isn't that good enough? It's not even almost good enough. I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful. But I'm talking about the kingdom. Listen to me. I'm talking about you being so far out of debt that you never smell debt again. I'm talking about all of your children serving God. I'm talking about your marriage being so good, it feels like newlywed all over again. Some of you ladies, I know what you're thinking. It doesn't mean you get to trade him in, okay? Just, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the desires of your heart being met. I'm talking about a change that only comes when you understand kingdom. There's one other benefit that I want to mention, and then I got a short video I want to show. That is the kingdom and the power. Everybody say power. Power. Come on, say it strong. Power. In our kingdom, we walk on what most people drown in. Because of power. If we take the power out of the kingdom, the kingdom is defeated. When we give towards growth, we know we don't know how it's going to make sense. We're believing God the first leg of this $250,000. $250,000 doesn't build a $4 million building. But it's the first step. How's he going to do it? He's going to bring an idea into your mind. Some of you, this time next year, are going to have your own business that you didn't have before because you've always wanted your own business. Some of you are going to have an investment opportunity come up. Some of you are going to have an inheritance show up. Some of you, even between now and the end of the year, your business is going to explode. And you say, what, what is this? That's how it happens. The power of God gets on his people. Why? Because the church has a need. What does that mean? He supplies our needs according to his riches in glory. So a part of our job is to make sure we always have needs. Because if we don't have needs, he's not required to fix anything. That's why some of you, you, you got to a certain level in your faith walk and, and you, you, things are better than ever. Yet on the inside of you, you feel a lion trying to roar and you can't figure it out. You're restless. You can't, you can't sleep. You wake up early. You're asking God, what's going on? What's going on is he's taking you to new levels. What's going on is he's taking you to higher places and higher planes. What's going on is what got you where you are is going to require a larger step of faith to get you where he wants you to be. All the disciples saw Jesus walk on water. That was cool. But only one slung their leg over the side and walked on water with him. 
I don't know about you. I don't want to just see people do great things. Come on, I want to walk with Jesus on the waves. I want to have him move in my family. I want to have him move in my life. I'm believing God for the dead to be raised. I'm believing God for blind eyes to open. I'm believing God for deaf ears to open. It's already happened through our church. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about a massive move of the kingdom of God. But if you take the power out, we're no different than the Rotary Club. God bless the Rotary Club. I don't know anything about them. I should pick another club. <laughs> I'm sure they're wonderful. But if we take the power out, see, in the kingdom, because we know we live by faith and not by sight. In the kingdom, we are comfortable with the element of the unknown existing. When, when you tell your kids, we're going to go to Houston, they don't ask you, how are we going to get there? They grab their iPad and get in the car. Because they believe, even though they don't know how, that their parent will take them where their parents said they are going. In God, we understand there's going to be plenty of times. There's going to be plenty of times when we don't have all the answers. Oh God, you're stretching me. Oh God, it's time to give towards growth. You really want me to do that much? And he's stretching you. He said, well, how, that, that doesn't make sense. How could I, I'm telling you, he supplies our needs, not according to our own abilities, not according to our own desires, but according to his riches in glory. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the according to his riches in glory. You see, when you start doing what's on the heart of God, the Bible says where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. When we start doing what's on the heart of God, expanding for the cause of the kingdom, now all of a sudden he begins to breathe on ideas and he begins to breathe on relationships. And he begins to breathe. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I had a $30,000 blessing one time and I believe I was, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell the story right now. I'll tell it another time because of time. A $30,000 blessing one time, I believe I was an inch away from losing only because of the blessing that is on our life that comes from being consistent at saying yes when God says so. When he says do it, Crystal and I, we don't get wiggly anymore. I know everybody likes to say that. Oh, it was so much it made me nervous and, and maybe there's an amount that would make me nervous. I don't know. But I don't get that way anymore. Because when I give, it's not a deduction from my life. It's an increase in my future. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you. Ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. 
That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.